Hey everyone, welcome to Chili Chilton Unfiltered. My name's Chili. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's been a really long time since I last podcasted, and a lot has changed in my life. The last time I podcasted, I was living in Burlington, Vermont, in beautiful New England. And today, I am living in Florence, Alabama, right in the hot, humid south, and I love it. God has been so good to me in my life by giving me multiple opportunities to minister for him in some of the most unique and awesome regions of the world. And so here I find myself in a whole new setting, part of a brand new church, and serving with some of the most creative and awesome people I could ever dream of. And I'm so thankful for that. It's stretching and it's awesome. And it's God's way of saying again and again and again, I know where you are and I want to use you. And today I want to talk a little bit about that, just the unique way that God desires to use us. It's so humbling, right? You know, it's like thinking right when I kind of get to the end of myself all over again, God goes, I've got another idea. I've got another plan. I've got another people. I've got some things I've yet to do with you. And uh, you're going to fit just fine. And many times in my life, I think, man, there's no way I'll fit. There's no way this is the right setting for me. I'm not designed this way or I'm not made to be in this kind of environment. And God has this way of stretching and changing. If I'll just continue to be choosable and available, God will do amazing things. Today, I want to talk about that. You know, when I was moving into my house... Um, One of the things that you notice a lot of times when you're moving furniture or when you're moving things around is the doors. And have you ever thought about hinges? You know, here are these giant doors. I have a giant wooden front door in my new house. And it just has these two hinges. And it's amazing. Here's this big door and it swings on these two little hinges. Maybe you never think about things like this, but I do. And God just brought that to my attention again last night. I was during my prayer time late at night and I was walking through the house and it was dark. And so I was putting my hands on the walls and I would feel the hinges on the doors as I went by. And and, and I began to think about that. And God was like, I can swing such big things. I can take you places. I can bring things into your life just by your willingness to pivot, your willingness to hold on to what I've given you to hold on. Big doors swing on little hinges. It's the little things. It's the little people. It's the unrecognized sometimes that end up doing the craziest things in the world. You know, I I used to envy the big name things and the big name people. In fact, just last month I was at the Forward Conference in Atlanta, Georgia, and some of the biggest named speakers and bands were there. And uh, one of my best friends, Reggie Dabbs, was speaking there as well. And I was texting him throughout the conference and thinking, I used to stand on stages like this. I used to, you know, aspire to speak on state in stadiums or at, at conventions. And I had the opportunity many, many times. But you know what? I still most enjoy sitting in a small circle with hungry disciples who's got journals out ready to be taught and trained. I love those moments of going a little deeper in the word, a little more hardcore in the application. 
I, I appreciate the big events. I appreciate the people who God has elevated to write some epic books and lead some amazing ministries. I'm in awe of them, and I've enjoyed their ministry and the way it affects my life. But I want you to know, whoever you are, if you'll be available, God will use you. God will take your little hinge and swing big things in and through your life if you'll be available. So I was thinking about this, and I was in Genesis 16, and it said Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to him. Now, that's a whole huge story, and I can't get into the backstory on Abram before he was Abraham and how God was going to bless a nation or raise a nation out of him. But this was Abram's remedy to God's promise. He was going to make it happen. He was going to find a solution. And he and his wife came up with this idea of God said he was going to bring a generation and nation out of us. So we better get started on our own. And so they do. And Hagar, who is not his wife, gives him a son, Ishmael. Then 13 years go by. Nothing happens. 13 years. Now, of course, Ishmael is growing and becoming a young man, and, and uh, Abram loves him very much. But it's not the covenant. It's not the promise. It's not the nation. And then, 13 years later, after nothing, it says in the next chapter, Genesis 17, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. So 13 years from Genesis 16, 16 to Genesis 17, 1 go by. He's raising a son. He's doing the ordinary. But he's not being the extraordinary. And then God speaks to him and literally goes, you got to up your game. You got to remember the promise and you need to really represent. And so he does. Even at 99. Come on, who thinks they're going to have children at 99? <laughs> or 86, as far as that goes. But these are Bible times. These are times when they live longer and so on and so forth. But something begins to happen. He begins to become teachable. He begins to become moldable for God. Oh, I'm so glad that I didn't have to wait 99 years to really have an intimacy with God, to have a real relationship. And I wonder sometimes, do you do what it takes to have a mentoring relationship in your life? If I was to look at the 30 years of my life, I just celebrated 30 years of marriage and now I'm talking about 30 years of ministry not just of my life but the last 30 years I'm so thankful for the people who have mentored me I have people that are that are my age I have people the people that are younger than me I have people that are older than me I seek mentorship and I want to encourage you if you want to let God swing something great through you your little hinge I want to challenge you with just a, a few principles today straight out of my journal. First thing is this, you've got to fight for mentorship. 
Never stop learning. Not only do you need to be hungry to learn, but you have to be humble to learn. That means you got to continually go, there's more for me to get. There's more for me to understand. You know, and, and that means sometimes you got to avoid your peers and pursue your elders. Because in this day and age of culture, we surround ourselves with people in the same place of life that we are, and you coach each other. And there can be some definitely iron sharpening iron type of moments from those relationships. But if you want to be mentored, you need to pursue people who have walked before you. And be willing to pay for it. Be willing to do what it takes to get it. In Proverbs 23, 23, it says, Buy truth and do not sell it. Buy wisdom, instruction, and understanding. Spend money on meals or even hotels and flights. Throughout my ministry, especially during some really pivotal, huge learning times in my life, man, I paid airline tickets and hotel rooms just to sit with a mentor for a day or two, to, to, to have a meal with him to laugh and to pray and to plan and to do things together. But now we're reluctant just to take somebody across town for a coffee or a meal. We want everything they can give us when we want them to give it to us. And as long as it doesn't cost us anything. But there's no value in what you're learning if you don't pay the price to be real. So always process up. You know, I need decades in my life. You know, I I do. I, I need decades in my life. I need people who have lived. I need people who have experienced. And I hope I can be that kind of person to those that are pursuing me. It's not to tell you how it was in the old days, but how it is today. What it's like to pray at 3 a.m. like I do. I want to mentor people. I want to help them get there, but I have to continue to remain teachable myself. You know, one of the best ways that you can do that if you're in a mentoring relationship or you consider yourself a disciple is this. Never end your sentences with periods and with question marks. Think about that. Never end sentences with periods and with question marks. That's one of the best ways to stay teachable. It's one of the best ways to kind of teach yourself to stay inquisitive. I challenge you to do that. Another thing you gotta do is keep paper on you. Just recently, I I pulled out my small journal. I have moleskin journals of all sizes. And what I'm teaching you today is coming out of one of them. But I have a little one that I just keep in my pocket like on Sundays, I'm walking through the church. We have three services and I'm taking notes and and, and I'm jotting things down today. I went to lunch with uh, a couple guys that are way younger than me, but my journal was the only one on the table today. And I'm not saying that to, to scorn them or to, but I have to put myself in a, in a teachable moment. And so I want them to catch that from me, not just have me expected of them. And, and I bet the next time we get together, there'll be more journals at the table. It's just how it works. So fight for mentorship. Fight for it. Never stop learning. Second thing, fight to be fresh. Tradition is valuable until it becomes an idol. That's 2 Kings 18 that you can learn that. You know, 
what you've known so far, how it's worked so far, you know, even young guys, young guys in ministry, we can kind of get in routines. We can get into processes and then make them kind of our, our religion. We make them, that's the way it works and it becomes our tradition. Find ways to keep yourself challenged. I, I think of that in John 13, when Jesus, it says, he was deeply troubled and he exclaimed, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. And the disciples looked at each other, wondering whom he could mean. The disciple Jesus loved was sitting next to Jesus at the table. Simon Peter motioned to him and asked, who is he talking about? So that disciple leaned over to Jesus and asked, who is it, Jesus? Who is it to Jesus? And Jesus said to John, it's the one whom I give the bread and dip in the bowl. And when he had dipped it, he gave it to Judas, son of Simon, son of Simon Iscariot. You see, what I love about this is, if you picture the, the, the Lord's Supper, there's all the disciples there, right? Maybe you've missed this before. But it says, Jesus is, is deeply troubled and he exclaims. So he says loudly, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. And the disciples look at each other. Now think about it again. Simon Peter motioned to John, and he knew that John was so close to Jesus. In fact, it says that John's head was on his chest. And he goes, ask him. So John asked Jesus, and then gives the response. Man, hear from God for yourself. Learn to put your head on him. It's not enough to be at the table. It's not enough to have the meal. It's not enough to get goosebumps because you sense his presence. Getting close where God speaks to you personally. Do that. I challenge you, which leads me to the third thing. Fight for his face, not his hand or his head. You see, there's a difference between a well-studied person and a well-prayed person. Today, people will, you know, prepare three years or maybe four years to preach and to be pastors for 30 years. Jesus prepared for 30 years and he preached for three. <laughs> see the difference? You see, people like us, we promote gifts and talent. God promotes faithfulness. So make your prayer life and, and be what represents you. In fact, someone once told me early in my life, make prayer your life and the ministry will take care of itself. Be caught praying by your family. Be caught praying by your team, by your friends, by your students by your spouse. Get caught praying by the students in your life. You see, you can't really delegate a prayer ministry. You got to make prayer happen and then others will catch it too. Jesus continually said to his disciples, watch, watch, go with me, check out what I'm doing. What were they doing? They were falling asleep or missing the point. But we've got to get, stay on this, you know? Fight for mentorship. Fight to be fresh. Fight for his face, 
not hand or head, and fight for character. I've said many times, excellence honors God and reflects his character. Friends, always honor your promises. God honors his to Abraham 13 years later because Abram was trying to fix with man abilities something that God had promised with his abilities. We've got to learn to make that different. In Joshua 9, it says, So the men took some of their provisions, but did not ask counsel from the Lord. And as a result, they get whipped. They lose. You see, you've got to inquire of the Lord. And Joshua does then in the very next chapter, chapter 10. Despite making a big mistake, he goes back to the Lord. And as a result, God stops the sun for him. God stops the sun for him. I challenge you. Learn to fight for character. Man, this world hypes up charisma and talent. We'll take a kid out of the youth group that can sing well and throw them on a stage, even if they can't pray well. Maybe we'll do that in the adult service too. We showcase talent, but hear this clearly. God doesn't want us to impress. He wants us to imprint. Impress is show them what we can do. Imprint is cover them with the fingerprints of God. Be Jesus with skin on. When someone leaves our church, our ministry, our house, any time with us, they shouldn't leave and go, wow, I'm really impressed. But if you could put them under a Holy Spirit ultraviolet light, they would be covered in the fingerprints of God. They wouldn't be able to just wash off. They would go, something touched me. Something happened when I was with that person, when I was at that church, when I was in that ministry. It's not enough just to have the best lighting, the best worship team. We should have the best that we can give. But at the end of the day, we don't want to impress. We want to imprint. That's what parenting is. I could try to impress my kids with what I know and all that I've experienced. But I've got to touch them and I've got to teach them and I've got to train them. I've got to show them and I have to be the example to them. I guess more than anything today as I return to this podcast is I want you to know that you have value. That God hasn't forgotten you. You might feel like a really little person in a really little place. God knows where you are. He knows who you are. And he will use you right now, today. If you'll just surrender to his purpose and let God do what only God can do in and through your life. Let God be God and you be you. Fight for mentorship today. If you don't have a mentor, start that process. Pay for it if you need to. Fight to be fresh. Get with God every day. Learn something every day. Hear from God for yourself, not just through another disciple leaning on him. Third, fight for his face, not just his hand, what he can give us, or his head, what we need to know. Fight for his face because we love him. And fight for character because it will represent you when the day is really hard. 
I love you, and I'm thankful that you're listening to this because I know it's been like a month or more. And I'm going to try to be a lot more faithful to this so that I can keep pouring into you. If this is meaningful to you, why don't you shoot me an email and just let me know. You can do that at chilichilton at me.com. Chili with a Y, C-H-I-L-L-Y, C-H-I-L-T-O-N, chilichilton at me, M-E, dot com. And uh, I'll do my best even to respond to your email, but I just want to know that I'm hitting the mark and that it's encouraging to you, and this is something that I should keep doing. All right? I appreciate your time. Hope you have an amazing day. God bless you, and peace. Peace.